want to do something constructive. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> I mean, we've we've covered all these other incredibly interesting things. We might as well cover something is interesting. Actually, construction is really very interesting. Yeah, come on. Actually, construction is kind of fucking amazing. There's a reason little kids get into it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's a tedium to the process in that you know what the end result is supposed to look like. Yeah. And you really want to be in that end result. But I mean, how amazing is building a building? It's amazing because I didn't think we'd be doing something like this now. I remember the father of a girl I was dating in college had his own house designed because he had MS Oh, and uh, so he needed it to be accessible. Absolutely. And um, <laughs> the poor guy asked me for advice on sound uh, in terms of like setting up speakers so that he could play music all around the house. Oh, wow. And um, I, I had no idea what I was talking about. I told him to put speakers in the ceiling like it's fucking Kmart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, you know, he, he was pretty well along in his life and doing all right and as an adult with multiple children he had designed his own house i mean i never thought that designing my own house would be a thing like i never had a desire to build a house from scratch that was never something because i always thought well i'll just buy a house that exists and make it my own i kind of like the idea of building my own house when you look at what inspires thought like that at least for me it comes from this idea of building like a man cave. This, really? This was a big thing in, you know, the 90s and the 2000s. Everybody getting like their home theater and in my case, like the studio, oh. right? <laughs> um, and what I found really interesting researching building a venue and looking into things like soundproofing, reviewing some of these threads that I know I was looking at years ago. Hmm from these middle-aged men in the Midwest who have spent maybe more than we have on... On their home theater in the Fucking home theaters that aren't done yet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They just cycle through. They tried this kind of soundproofing and that. And I don't want to say it was humbling. It was eye-opening to see that maybe I had been sold to. And this idea of you know, building your own space right. is a little overrated. Yeah, I mean, it's I I get it in the sense of, like, humans wanting to perpetuate themselves, you know, in some way. And building is, is kind of... Well, I talk all the time about how this theater is like our baby. Mm -hmm. It's like our version of having a kid is building a building. And, well, people have very strong urges to procreate, so <laughs> why not have very strong urges to construct and it seems like something you do after a certain level of success in life. Sure, so it becomes like a milestone. Yeah, and I certainly don't think, I mean, I, I feel we've, we've done well enough, but I feel it's presumptuous to think that at this point in my life I should custom build a house. Oh, we're not ready for this. No, not at all. We're not ready all. for this not shit at all. at all. No, this is insane. This is fucking ridiculous. Anyway... I guess we should get to the storytelling, sir. Take yeah. a seat. You're in the bog house. For this 
episode, we interviewed probably the most pivotal person in our construction process. And uh, we have to introduce him to you, first of all. Oh, we have to introduce him because I had a very clumsy day. Um, <laughs> I, I managed to wreck one of my microphones and the other one I had facing the wrong direction for half the interview. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Pretty cool realizing that. Uh, some days you have those days where no matter how good your life is going, you just kind of feel like you're having a downer. <laughs> and um, so we're going to talk about Larry and yeah. then we'll have Larry talk about himself. Yeah. So um, we mentioned meeting Larry, I think, in the second or third episode of the show. And in the interview, we ended up discovering even more about him that we had never asked him about in all the time that we had been actually working with him on the construction zone. I knew he was from Connecticut. I knew he was Italian. This much is plainly obvious <laughs> after talking to him for like five minutes. Yeah. Uh, but he is from a town called Norwich in Connecticut, and he got into construction through, first of all, he worked in a factory, which is interesting because my dad, my Greek dad in Australia, also worked in a factory as well as doing construction stuff. And he did carpentry. And then he got into, and this blew my mind a little bit, hard hat diving. We had to stop and say hard hat diving. What, what does that mean? What does that mean? And it's underwater construction, like underwater scuba construction. Which is no small feat. That mm. is some hardcore work. Yeah, it's like building bridge foundations and inspecting bridges and all of this crazy kind of shit. He said he had one of America's first dry suits. Yeah, and I think that's because when you're doing construction underwater, you're usually not in pristine waters. Sure. It's unfriendly environments, and so you don't want to be in a wetsuit. You, you want to be separated from that uh, environment. <laughs> Uh, and then eventually he made his way down to Philadelphia because his daughter Lauren, who we've talked about as being the curator of Arch Enemy Arts and mm -hmm. an amazing artist, was going to the to UArts, the University of the Arts here in Philadelphia. And Larry and his wife Helene were down in Philadelphia and fell in love with the city and decided they were going to move down here. So we met Larry and Vince through Chris, the mortgage banker guy who helped us get financing. And I mentioned that when we met them, my number one indicator that it was going to be a good fit was that they looked me directly in the eye when I spoke to them. <laughs> right. We set up a meeting at National Mechanics, which is uh, the bar that I work above. And that's where Melissa and I both sat down and just had an introduction with Vince and Larry and as these things go, uh, and, and this has been a, a pattern with Melissa and I for as long as we've been together, we'll go in on a project and we'll talk to somebody outside of the two of us about this project. Melissa will talk about what she needs to have done. And uh, frankly, more often than not, the person we're talking to will look at her while she's talking and then turn to me and answer the question. Yeah, it's like a really obvious thing talking to, I don't know, everything from associates at Home Depot to contractors that we've worked with, roofers and plumbers and things like that that mm -hmm. we've had to bring in. They won't look at me because they either think I'm an idiot or they're just really uncomfortable dealing with a woman mm -hmm. who you know, knows anything about construction. Yeah, I have it's theories weird. about that. But um, <laughs> 
What anyway, was nice is that didn't happen here. It totally didn't happen. Larry and Vince were super awesome and they're, you know, amazingly feminist and, you know, super allies in all of the social justice things that I get on my, you know, hobby horse about. And Larry, of course, has his daughter who is doing this amazing art stuff. And so he really understood what we were trying to do. I and think that came out we in our first conversation, actually. Yeah. Just that uh, he had actually helped out with the work that was being done around... Um, Arch Enemy Arts. Yeah. So he understood that, yeah, we could make money by turning this building into luxury apartments or whatever the fuck, but... We are crazy art-obsessed people who want to make a baby theater instead, Mm -hmm. and they got that. They totally got that. Vince also used to be a a musician back in the day. You almost said magician. I did almost say magician, but I... Good thing you didn't. I know, I know, because even though Vince's last name is Grosser, he is no relation whatsoever to Joseph Grasser, who used to be the owner of this One little vowel, in fact, maybe just one line on a glyph makes so much of a difference. (laughs) So much of a difference. (laughs) Um, So I worked pretty closely with Larry when he was on the site. I would be on the site a whole lot. I would try and help out where I could or help understand what was happening. I would answer questions. I would, you know, help out with... um, calling people or organizing stuff you were fully into this i I at this point had now shifted pretty heavily at work and i was not available during the day at all yeah and so you were taking on so much of the burden of i wouldn't call you a project manager you were adjacent to project management though sure like you were you were on site larry was doing the project management side of things uh but i was trying to be on site trying to be supportive trying to make sure that everything you know a responsible owner could do was being done why is our cat freaking (laughs) the fuck out where is she (laughs) she went into a little hole (laughs) Nairobi, do you want to be on the show what's wrong with you she's behind the washing machine now which is going to come in relevant later on in the show okay so where were we we dug out the privies and we've covered that pretty extensively. Yeah, you've heard about that. If you haven't heard about that, go back and listen to the show from the beginning. We talk about it in episodes three and four. So after the privies were dug out, the next step was that the construction guys had to basically cut off access to the privy that we mm-hmm. just dug by pouring concrete into those pits. Yeah, they jammed a bunch of super thick rebar down there because what those pits were for is footings for what are called pilasters. Think of them as square columns that were rising up to bear the weight of steel uh, that we had to get built into our building. To create a cage to prevent shear and make the building incredibly stable so that we could build an apartment on top of it. Right. It's a very long building. I forget if we talked about this. We talked about this already, yeah. So they poured this concrete... They build these concrete, these cement block pilasters that are supporting the walls of the building. And then they did something that was kind of shocking to both of us. They ripped off the entire roof of the existing building. And they also ripped down the back wall of the building, which was in terrible shape. That is a moment I don't think I'll ever forget. I walked 
to the building from work. Mm-hmm. And from the front, it, it looks normal. Normal, like a normal building. Yeah. I open up the doors and as I walked through where it had been this dark, long building, I looked up and it was a bright blue sky with puffy white clouds. There was no ceiling. I was looking at uh, a dream. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing. Yeah, I remember standing inside the building and just being totally freaked out by the enormity of this isn't even a building anymore. I mean, when does a building stop being a building? If there's only three walls and a shitty broken up cement floor, it's not even a building anymore. It's like a, it's just some walls. It's like a lean-to where you might pitch a tent, but it's not even a building. So that was like really weird and scary. And it was... I mean, it wasn't totally unexpected. They had told us this was going to happen. They had actually cut holes in the roof where they had built the pilasters up. Taller than the roof, right. Yeah, so there there was a period of time where it, there were these just, like, spikes coming up out of the building. It was so weird. Yeah. And then, okay, so then they've taken it down to basically nothing. They've removed everything that made it a magic theater on the inside. Yeah. It's really, like, we bought a magic theater and then we destroyed the magic theater and now we're going to turn it back into a theater but first we have to build our apartment and the um, second floor apartment our apartment is on the third floor and then the above where the lobby of the theater is is a little tiny apartment that we have turned into an airbnb and it took months of months and months of construction Mm -hmm. to build those two apartments on top and then eventually a roof on top of all of that it was pretty great seeing this thing that i had been drawing in sketchup build up and out and solidify and become an apartment but we had one outstanding problem we were still building on really crappy old walls yeah we couldn't demolish those walls completely because if we did by building code and law it became a brand new building and we would have had to have adjusted the footprint of the building. So um, it would have made even less space for the theater, which is already going to be an intimate venue. theater, right. So we had to keep the walls that were there. We couldn't demolish them. We had to, we could only repair them. Mm-hmm. So we're going to come in now and let Larry and me discuss the way that we repaired them which was with a process and a product known as... Shotcrete. Hide your kids, hide your wife. <laughs> Melissa's going to get a little explicit here. She loves talking about Shotcrete. I mean... <laughs> you'll see. Okay, here it is. So its strength is stronger than poured concrete. Yeah. Which is unique because it's shot with air and trapped in it. It's it's uh, oh okay so there are like bubbles yeah well you have to use air pressurized air to push it out of the gun so it's literally shot at it under pressure yeah but very strong so we did the whole wall in that time saved time strength it it just moved things along quite faster and it it worked very well so from where I was I had never heard of shotcrete before and so when you were like we're going to do shotcrete on the outside wall. I was like, what is this shotcrete stuff? First of all, the word shotcrete (laughs) 
is like an amazing word. It's like something out of a fucking superhero book, right? Shotcrete. Immediately, I was like, oh, this this was clearly invented by a man. No, <laughs> like, make a great weapon. Shotcrete. <laughs> oh my goodness, right? it was frightening. It's like, okay, so then I'm like looking at pictures of Shotcrete. And this is where I just started cracking the fuck up because, okay, if you go online and you look at pictures of Shotcrete, basically there's like a cement truck or whatever that holds a cement and then you get this enormous tube. uh, It's like a fire hose. Right, it's a huge fire hose. And then the way they generally hold it is the men who are doing, because it's always men, I've I've never seen a picture (laughs) of a woman doing Shotcrete, they hold it between their legs like a giant dick, right? <laughs> like a giant dick. And then they okay. point they <laughs> And then you point it at the wall and then this fucking cement pours out at this huge rate of speed out of this giant penis. It doesn't pour, it shoots. It shoots, it shoots yeah. out under like pressure. under yeah. huge amounts of pressure and I'm like oh my god, they're like literally ejaculating a building into existence. <laughs> Like, you could write a fucking... Spooging a wall. Yes! You're spooging a building! I'm like, this is the most male form of creation in the world. You're spooge. Yes! You're you're removing the womb and the woman from the process entirely. You're just creation from pure semen. This is what this is, right? Welcome to the mind of Melissa Dunphy. these pictures it's like every one of them is more phallic than the next of these guys <laughs> just like struggling to control their enormous fire hoses I'm sure the listeners have a great visual right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah it's it's something to behold i only came into the very end of this process and this was done in a single day too like a you know a hundred foot long wall two stories high in places and when i showed up Things had just been finished, but they had to clear the hose out. So this hose is shooting rocks like 70 feet, just like, I guess you might say passing stones. (laughs) Um, I can't. And it's, uh, yeah. I would venture to say that if you were standing in front of it, they quite possibly, the stone chips could penetrate your body. I mean, it could kill you. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, I I kept my distance. (laughs) Literally kill someone with the power of your ejaculate. Oh, this is this is how Melissa thinks about just, certain things. Look, I mean, you just it's a beautiful thing to behold. And uh, it's an amazing process, it really is. Yeah, and yeah. It was extremely efficient and it's holding our building up as we speak, and I'm very thankful for it. It didn't take nine months, it was instant. Well it's a delicate balance because you the concern is that you literally knock the wall that down that you're spraying <laughs> against. Oh, wow. Huh. Really? Yeah, I mean, that wall was inferior. Right. There were oh. areas that we could see through. That's true. Yeah, this there, is... There definitely holes in yeah, it. Larry's talking about a wall that dates back to 1761. Parts of it. Parts of it were seven... The, the worst parts. Yeah. Like, the inferior bits were 18th century and um, the, not taken well care of. We there have was, a friend who's a structural engineer. She's kind of a rock star, actually. She's been on uh, Stephen Colbert as a structural engineer talking about walls because that's this area of specialty. And I didn't, you didn't tell me about this? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, she was from Connecticut. I don't know if you guys would get along. <laughs> I didn't Italian. even think about that. I know. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's funny. Well, we were always walking this delicate balance of like trying to figure out as much as we could, but also trying to stay out of people's way. Yeah. yeah. You know, like we, we already, we, we have folks involved with uh, drawing it up and they worked with engineers and it's like, these are the people that were paying to do this. And that didn't know what they were doing. Uh, well, Christina's only licensed in New York anyway. Also that. And, uh, but we, we asked her to come visit us. And I remember she like looked up and down at the wall. And then her like official assessment was, this is jacked up. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, this wall is jacked up. And so, yeah, when Shot Creek was presented as a solution, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. There's a lot with a building, like you design a building and, you know, you get engineers and whatever, but you don't really know until you start tearing stuff down or digging right. in. Yeah, hence going back to the thing of uh, x-ray vision, if you had it, I mean, you'd, you'd know what to do and that's where costs come in. So then there is uh, value engineering coming up with the right thing to do in mm-hmm. that situation and not panicking. And you and you were great for making that. it structurally sound without you know without, uh, compromising right. the, the building or anything yeah well I was, certainly it was like we were running out of money <laughs> and that is the point at which we were like you know well how can we save money what's some stuff that we can do ourselves and so i remember this vince was like here is the budget and i looked at the budget for all of the finishing and it was like you know, thousands of dollars for painting. And I'm like, fuck that. I can paint. Anyone can paint. You I don't, you don't need to pay thousands of dollars to paint. I'll just paint it. And then it was like, you know, X thousand dollars for hardwood floors. Okay. First of all, we have three cats and one of them shits on the floor. We can't have hardwood floors. We have to have tile floors. And then Vince was like, that's going to be really expensive. And I said, well, I'll do it. And, (laughs) and that was like the only point, like he gave me, he was like, Oh, yeah. And like, I could just tell in my voice, he was super fucking skeptical. He was like, you know how much tile that is, right? That's like 1400 square foot of tile because it's like two apartments worth of tile. That's a lot of tile. Yeah. And I was like, sure. Yeah. But you just use one tile at a time. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't have to lift it all at once. Like, I can do it. And he's looking at me like okay, I don't think you understand how big this job is. And I'm... I was like, just just go with her. Trust trust me. Um, I <laughs> well, Honestly, I was of the belief that she could do it. You guys. And uh, he, was, he wasn't. And I said, trust me, she can. No, I said that. I don't know the speed of which she can do it, but... Uh, and then that came up too. I think just one pause for, for me, it was... The only time I've ever ordered tons of anything, like getting those pallets of ceramic tile. Right, because um, we waited for a sale. Yeah, yeah. And, There's uh, a sale at the Home Depot, and you could buy these tiles by the pallet and get like a pretty good rate for. Um, they're these wood look tiles. You know, one thing we learned in our last house is if you buy tiles that look dirty, <laughs> you, oh yeah, you, you don't, don't have, have to, to clean, clean them, them as much. <laughs> We we got these slate looking tiles in our uh, for our, in our kitchen, and it was great. You know, 
you just didn't feel like you had to wipe them like a crazy person all, all the time. Yeah. Like you and would not. Right. Yeah. And it, it kind of fit with, uh, you know, we had pulled some wood, some original joists out of the building. And I was like, it's really cool that there's some old looking wood. There's no way we can really repurpose that into anything that I can think of yet. Um, but uh, I liked the idea of tiles that look like weathered older wood and the technology has gotten better yeah. like it used to look pretty terrible and i'm sure in 10 years this will be even less impressive than whatever they're doing uh they'll be 3d printing ah, it cool they're they, awesome people can't believe that they're ceramic when they look in they're like you know what is this like i've literally had oh yeah people, people like, think it's wood they're right porcelain aren't they they're, yeah it's oh these ones porcelain. are porcelain yeah that's yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so then I had just finished my dissertation for my PhD and I was like, okay, my full-time job now is tiling. This is what I'm going to do. Uh, so I came in with my overalls and my buckets and we didn't have running water upstairs. Right. So, so this was a, a pie may kind of thing for you. Yeah. This was like, yeah, that scene in Kill Bill where the the trainee is carrying buckets up flights of stairs and you would help me carry buckets sometimes. But I remember there was at least one of your worker guys who, do you remember this? Who was like staring at me. Like he gave me the creeps. There was this one guy who was, was like disbelief. Yeah. Just right. fucking staring at me constantly. And it started getting to a point where I was like, I don't know if this is like creepy or like, what is happening? Like, why is he fucking staring at me? And then one day he finally, I don't know, gets the nerve or his like curiosity gets the better of him. And he comes up to me and he's like, where did you learn to do this? Like I'm a fucking dog who reads or something, you know, like, like what? And I was like, the internet? <laughs> And he says, you learn to tile on the internet. I'm like, yeah, I mean, you just Google how to tile. YouTube. And YouTube. And there are very detailed instructions of how to do it right. You know, you don't have to guess. It's very detailed how to do it to code and how to use the correct notched trowel and, you know, mix everything correctly so that it, it will and last. Honestly, all of that is just reinforcing what is literally on the bags of mortar. Yeah. Like, they're like they tell you how to do it. People don't do that people, people don't, don't do. Yes. They think they have their own method, uh, method that's better. Right. It's right. like these companies employ scientists and engineers and yeah, tell you exactly that. how to do it. <laughs> I will argue with you on that. <laughs> Faucets. Oh, um, mm. yeah. I mean, some of those. Like, there are some items that there, you're like, come the on. The engineers need to go out in the field and learn. Yeah. That, I, and I think when you. their own methods and they would find easier ways. Now you're but, getting. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. Don't that, get me started. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'd love to hear about that. Um, that's, that's, that's the kind of stuff that's interesting, right? But wait. But we want to finish this oh, thing. Oh, finish okay. the tile thing. Because then. Um, I rec <laughs> as I recall, I do this tile job and I guess it probably took like, I don't know, a couple weeks, like three or four weeks to do oh, everything. Yeah. And then I get this call from you and you're like, well, let's say you open up a can of worms and I'm like, do you remember this? Do you remember this? And you were like, Vince fired the tile guys that we use. And he was like using me as an argument. No, he was, it was just the, the point of the. I mean, the duration of time that you took, if you did the math, 
you know, the guys that we were using could probably should have done it quicker. <laughs> but they went. You know? I mean, not anything against you, even if Matt had done it, but the point of it was she did this in this amount of time. Why the fuck can't you guys do it in this amount of time? I mean, and here's a girl who had no idea how to tile, not saying girl and boy or no, anything, no, no. but... And it came out good. And it's like, come on, you know? <laughs> well, I was also very motivated because I wanted to build my house. I wanted a house as quickly as possible. I'm saving literally thousands of dollars, you know, and I wanted it done. So I would just come in. But also I wasn't working a full day because I would have killed no, myself you, working yeah. a full day. I so mean, I was amazed. I was you coming know, in. You like, totaled all the hours up and everything. It worked out well, but like it's it not. It was just like uh, was a funny reference point for us because <laughs> they witnessed you doing it, and you know it was just a thing for us to go them into uh, more motivation, so to speak. So, I want you to tell the story about shit you found, weird shit you found inside buildings. So we found all of this crazy privy stuff, but I remember when we found it. You had this crazy fucking story about the time you found a mummified cat in a building. And I was like, this is amazing. So tell the story. So in Connecticut, uh, I bought an apartment house for a five family house for an investment. So we bought it as is. And it was uh, the basement was full of washers and coin-operated washers and dryers. Oh, weird. Like a- Literally full. I'm Wall to wall. My best recollection where we took out 48 pieces. Wait, what? <laughs> Was it for the people to use or were they just... No, this, the, the guy who owned the house prior to us or even maybe prior to the last owner probably had a laundromat or they were really... They were like the first coin-operated hmm. washer and dryers, top loaders. and Sure. So and, and they uh, just like folded the business and stored yeah, them Yeah, I mean, he would evidently bring them in and out, repair them, whatever. But so we had to get rid of them all. And uh, we were cleaning the place out. And uh, it was a large basement, which was a walkout basement. So we were cleaning it out. And there was a corner. Mind you, some of these places had coal bins in them years ago because they were coal-fired furnaces. and So they used to leave them. And there was a corner. And there were moving blankets uh, piled up, you know, stacked. And so, I mean, obviously, we're cleaning the whole place out, getting everything out. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, they, they were like crumbled. They were layers of moving blankets. So when I got to the bottom, we were putting them in. We were wheelbarrowing, I mean, all kinds of trash and stuff out of there. And I uncover it, and I look, and there's a cat. And... <laughs> What like the laying fuck? there, but I, you know, I. It was hard for me to tell. You know, it was the silhouette of a cat. The, the so it fur, didn't look dead. It didn't. It, no, it was dead. It, it was hard. So when I lifted the blanket off, the the fur like came up with it. Oh wow! And it was the silhouette, like the cat had laid down. Somebody covered it. You know. Okay. And it was well. Long story <laughs> short, it was mummified. I I I picked. <laughs> I went to pick it up. It was intact, and the type of person I am, I'm like, whoa. (laughs) So the skin and everything was intact, and I'm like, this is crazy. Like, the fur kind of blew off. So, um, (laughs) This is why I I love you. This is great. 
it was weird. I mean, the thing was perfectly mummified. Now, you got to understand that for something to be mummified, no oxygen gets to it. Uh, so the blankets had... Like- yeah, so I don't know whether the cat just laid down and died. Somebody covered it with a blanket. I don't think. It just bewilders me whether the cat died, somebody covered it. I mean, why wouldn't you see it? Or the cat was sleeping and oh, they God. just put something on because it, there was no evidence of it. Like, you know, the cat obviously would have wiggled or whatever. Right. But it looked like it just went to sleep or it was dead and they just covered it oh, up. Oh, God, I heard blankets. they didn't kill the cats with cat with blankets. Yeah, so, I mean, it was in a perfect, like, sleeping position. Like, okay. Laid down and it was fully intact. And it didn't and smell or anything. No, I literally picked it up in one solid piece. <laughs> you know, now, so mind you, it's flat. Sure. The skin is, but the fur was on it. Mm-hmm. Just blew off because it was so it was mummified. It was old, right? And uh, so, what'd you do with it? I took it and uh, put it in my backseat of my pickup. <laughs> I was fascinated by it. Yeah, yeah. Of course, my knowledge of something being mummified wasn't that good. I, you know, I didn't think that it was that uncommon, but it it mystified me. I thought it was cool. Sure. So. Um, I carried it around in the back of my pickup for a little bit. <laughs> I'm like, As you do. So Did the people? ongoing joke was, uh, you know, I would run into people and I'm like, uh, you know, I got to show you something. My wife didn't feed the cat. And it died. And I says, here it is. I got to taking it to the dump. And, you know, and it was like perfectly intact. Uh-huh. So the skin... Now, mind you, for something to be mummified, as I was saying, there's no oxygen gets yeah. to it. Because if oxygen gets to something, you have flies, you have worms, and they, you know, it'll degrade. Uh, and the atmosphere, the temperature has to be right, completely dry. So mm-hmm. it's sort of like freeze drying something. Yeah. And perfect. The eyeballs, it was a male cat, his balls, his penis, everything. <laughs> Perfect. You can see the eyeballs, the teeth, oh my literally God. whiskers. Uh-huh. And it's pretty amazing. So uh, I put it in a box, mm-hmm. you know, that size. And I would keep it. Like people would come visit us and I'd put it by the fireplace <laughs> on a blanket and say, check this out. My wife doesn't feed the cat. You know? <laughs> and then, you know, it got to be a novelty. Like people like, whoa, that's unbelievable. <laughs> Plus, you know, some people would freak out like, you're crazy. Why would you keep something like this? And I'm saying, do you understand what it takes for this to happen? Now, during that time, I am a person of the dark side. Not the dark side, but I'm fascinated with skulls and things like that. Yeah. And uh, You're goth adjacent. Yes. So there was a show on TV called Antiquities and Oddities. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. It's a reality show about yeah. a shop. I think it's in New York, right? So, yeah. Yeah. I'm watching it and I'm like, so this guy brings in a half mummified cat. I mean, half. The other was decomposed. Oh, no. And so I'm like, man, I'm going to call these people. I'd be great on the show. Yeah. You know, and. And you have and a fully I, mummified cat. When I saw cat. them explaining how. They brought somebody in from the Smithsonian. It's like hmm. what it takes to, for this to happen is sure. it's like perfect condition. Right. 
So, of course, I called them, and uh, they got back to me, and I says, you know, I wrote them a letter that I wanted to be on the show. You could use my cat. I have this cat. <laughs> it can be fascinated. Of course, I got contacted by, I think it was a producer or something, and they said that they would, uh, you know, ask me if I wanted to put the cat on the show and that they would rent it from me. Rent the cat? Sir, yeah, <laughs> sir. So, so. I says, no, put me on the show. I'll come with my cat. I'm not renting you my cat. You know, and I'm like, what assures me that I will get my cat back if you use it? And then they just nixed it. Well, we don't want you for the show and blah. So. They turned you down? Yes. Biggest fucking mistake in the world. What the fuck? Uh, that just, I mean, reality shows are never Wait. real. Yeah, I was... What, were they going to, like, have an actor pretend to be someone who found I, I the cat? Know, I wonder. Know, and so, you know, that gave me a little insight into how these shows work. And yeah. I'm like, you know, they got all these people that, like, oh, this guy comes in. My thoughts were, you know, do I go down there? But I figured I'd contact him, save a few steps. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, screw him. But then a few months later, I got contacted by a producer, and they were doing a reality show, like... Uh, these guys were buying houses that were at auction. Oh, like a flipping yeah, reality show? Yeah. yeah. And they wanted to use my cat to stage like these guys. <laughs> oh, found my God. It, you know? So they says, oh, we'll rent it from you, you know, again. And I'm like, <laughs> can we rent this dead cat so that we yeah, can fake like, out in this show that this house is worse <clears throat> than it right. is? And I'm like, nah, you know, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, well, what are you going to pay me? And they're like, and it was like, my best recollection, it was like 50 bucks, you know? Like, <laughs> no, you know? My cat's worth more than that. Yeah, yeah or, you know, okay, we, we have your cat. Oh, it got, it broke, because it, it's very brittle. I mean, pretty sturdy, but, <laughs> but sure, sure. if you whacked it or something, I have it in a box. For yeah. sure, if they threw so, it in a dumpster. I still have the cat. So you still have it? I still have the cat. Wow. Yeah. So. Does it have a name? No. You should name your dead cat. <laughs> Please send your suggestions to bughouse at org. We will find a name for this dead cat. <laughs> I love that you can rent a dead cat. I love that that's something that TV producers think about. And I also love how incredibly fake everything is. So I, I'm thinking of getting a nice box. Oh, yeah. Velvet line it. Drop the cat in it. And like a glass enclosure. Yeah. Make an art box out of it. Like Maybe Snow White. Get Lauren to let me put it in the gallery on display. I oh, don't for know. sure. <laughs> I, 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 I feel like it should be displayed, but I probably should contact the smithsonian or maybe somebody i don't know i haven't spent any time doing the muda museum maybe although they're all mostly human True. but they'll know what to do and they'll I went know to the, uh what is it uh curiosities and uh oddities oddities thing in philadelphia this past weekend it was like a convention two, yeah and uh i didn't see any they cost they had you know mummified birds and Oh, I think they were pretty much freeze dried because you can oh, do yeah. it that way. Sure, yeah. bats, piglets, and nothing. No, f- <laughs> not a full cat. You know? And cats have a special place in 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 gothic hearts. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> it still freaks me out though. I, you know, how it got how, there? How yeah. it got there in that position? If the cat was dead, why would somebody just all of a sudden start stacking blankets on it? And right. Cover it? Yeah. Unless- or. Or did they just like put, just like smother it, put a blanket on it, hold it down? And what then, kind of fucking psychopath would do that? 
Oh, I mean, human beings. Human beings are disgusting. What a horrible species we are. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. I mean, I have pictures that I've accumulated over the years of things that just blow my mind. You know, that people... Like bad construction? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, on just the average person, like a trap under your sink. I have numerous pictures of <laughs> drain traps under people's sinks. That and just have just, like, horrible so, wet. Because I shouldn't give away my plan, but I'm going to do a coffee book someday. Yeah, yeah. do it. What's, what, what it's okay. What we're thinking is going to be the title. <laughs> I would love this. You know, yeah. because I think people would... For I mean, sure. guys like me or the average DYI person, now everybody knows what a lot of things are. People are well-versed. Yeah. Some, of course, some totally aren't. Right. But and I of course, most of those shows idea. are fake. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny you, you mentioned the DIY thing. There's a on on the the website Reddit. There's a a subreddit for DIY. Yeah, and I love going to it um, because people post things there that they are proud of having done. Yeah. And everybody piles on about how much they've fucked up. There was somebody who they, they had collected all these pallets. They'd been collecting pallets for a long time. And they pulled the pallets apart and they made a uh, hardwood floor out of their pallets. Oh, God. And everybody's like, you have no idea what chemicals have been sitting on those. Like, yeah. this is actually, there's a reason you, you don't do that. This is a reason <laughs> this is like just, garbage wood. You throw like, it's pallets out. environmentally unfriendly. Yeah, not to mention the fact that. They're uneven, and it'd be much easier to buy. And it's the wrong yeah. kind of wood. Like you said, go to Home Depot, buy a cheesy set, you know, right. one. I think when, the last thing I want to talk about is that people have, have been trained to, like, not go into the trades or, like, you know, think that, like, oh, the trades are for people who can't get into college or whatever. And I think this is bullshit, actually, what are, what to you are like the pros and cons of going into construction as like a I lifelong love what job? I do. Yeah, why do you love it? Because I do something different pretty much every day. Yeah. Um, I love the end result. Yeah. Because probably a lot of my work here now is fixing other people's mess ups, which is <laughs> kind of discouraging because it. I lose my faith in uh, people in the trade. Yeah. You You have one job. You have one job. Do it. Sure. And, you know, I take pride in what I do. I love doing it. There are many ways. I learn something new every day because if you're not learning, you're an idiot. Mm -hmm. Yep. But people in the trades are of the belief that they, some people, not all, that they know everything. Oh, they know the right way mm-hmm. and uh, it's the wrong way. I learned from younger people. I learned from older people. Yeah. But that being said, I believe we're losing a lot of talent, our, you know, our predecessors. They're, they're sure. passing away. People that I've learned from some amazing older people. Yeah. The younger people should learn. Trades are, it's an amazing, listen, it's going to be a dying art. A lot of things that we do. Right. You know, just uh, stonemasons. Look at Notre Dame. They yeah. can't find the people to do the stonework like they did. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's mind-blowing. Some of the, you know, you look at some of the old craftsmanship. 
this city, I see houses and things that I find that are just amazing. And it's plus the architecture that's torn down and right. thrown away. That's a whole nother story. But yeah. The beautiful work, and you say, that person was a craftsman. Yeah. And why wouldn't somebody young want to learn that? Yeah. Like molding. I wish I could and- just spend my time going forward or or have learned just one certain thing. I've evolved into who I am, what I do, but am I a master at, you know, I'm like a jack of all trades, so to speak. Sure. But, you know, I'm a contractor, I'm a good carpenter, I know plumbing and everything, but now I've come to the point where I use people that are very good in their trade subs. Mm-hmm. Anyways, the young people should learn trades. And you can make a phenomenal living working with your hands. Mm-hmm. I don't know why anybody wouldn't want to work with their hands. And now because of the tools and the things that are available, you can work smart, not get hurt. Right. Yeah. Great career. I mean. Keep like all you your say, fingers. It's, it's a, yeah. It's a dying art. Yeah. Um, a lot of the, you know, the crafts and the trades. Um, sure. And okay. I'm, I mean, part of me is also like, this has been a career that women have traditionally been told it's Diane, not I've for worked you. with some amazing women in the trades yeah. over the years. I mean, it's totally possible. It's like, you know, I can sweat copper pipe. You don't have to have a dick to you sweat can, copper pipe. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's. Girls, it's, absolutely. It's totally. There's no question. Yeah. And it's not. It's not difficult to understand any more difficult to understand than anything else you go to learn how to do and and it can be very satisfying and you know you can earn a bunch of money there is an art to what we do Mm -hmm. i mean i've seen when i do plumbing or i'm very symmetrical meticulous i like things to look great People just throw stuff together. You look at it and like, oh my god, what were right. they? You know, what were they thinking? Yeah. <laughs> were they you thinking? know what I love looking at is like beautifully laid out electrical wires. Yes. Like when you see yes, staple cable eyes. management. Yeah, yes. when it's like beautifully done and it's like you can when you look walk at into it. somebody's house and you see their TV. With, you know, but that's me. <laughs> I have to put wire ties on it. You know, oh, yeah. on, but yeah, it's like you have one job. <laughs> And it's not that difficult. Or like molding. Molding, I feel like, is this dying Trim art. work, I mean, right. you know. You can do such beautiful stuff with molding. And it, it makes everything look like a million bucks. And it's not rocket science. Right. But it's like, like an art. Like tile. I mean, it's mm-hmm. anything. Anything you do. Yeah. You know? and, it will, and it's something you can, you can get the satisfaction of touching and, and knowing. don't like it, get the fuck out of it. Do something else. But. <laughs> right? Sure. Yeah. No, so there's a, uh, something I really am looking forward to hopefully doing in the next couple of years. There's this place up in upstate New York called Historic Eastfield where they teach traditional uh, construction and restoration techniques right. and they have a three-day plastering workshop. And I'm like, because that's like, who plasters anymore? Because everybody just puts drywall is, up, right? I mean... Plastering is an artwork. It's totally. It's like this art. Well, form. I mean, listen, people. Long and short of it, like sheetrocking and taping mm-hmm. is an artwork. That's yeah. true too. Yeah. You know, I I've mean, seen some bad work there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thing is, the common person comes in, they'll see fresh paint, and they're like, "Oh, that looks nice." And you know, underneath it, it's like, "Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, you look at, you know, with somebody, like, I'm not, I don't believe in cork, but there is a 
use for it. But you go in a place and, you know, the guy puts a piece of trim up around the door and it's bowed, it's not put on properly. Yeah. And then they put cork and they use their thumb. It's a half-inch yeah. concave bead that you know, right. use their thumb and then it's just my <laughs> have one job <laughs> do it right, you know? i love that i love that larry thank you so much for coming and talking with us it was a pleasure it's a fucking joy to talk to you i'm dead serious like it's a great excuse to get you out here yeah for we, real we haven't been able to hang like this guy was always around when we're working on stuff and yeah. just such a a, a pleasure totally to hang with it. when i we like we finished you know we finished working on our place and we got the final um L and I certificate of occupancy. Yeah, that shithead from L and I came around <laughs> and gave us the the certificate of occupancy, and I knew the job was done. And then I spent a couple of weeks, and I was like grieving because I was like, I'm not seeing Larry every day anymore. Like he's not he's not around. I thoroughly enjoyed the whole project. Yeah, doing it with you. Well. We're gonna we're gonna and keep. I want to see the theater and everything come to, into fruition. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're paying attention, you might have heard the change in tone in our voice because we're uh, we did two interviews today, actually. With the second one featuring in next week's episode, we follow up and spend some time with our good friends, the Privy Diggers. The Privy Diggers, Michael Frechette and Tom Salvatore, who are our Privy Digging buddies now and beloved friends. I absolutely adore them and we got to hang out with them this evening. So we have done a shit ton of talking today. It's true. And uh, now we're about to do a whole lot of editing. Oh, so much more. So, uh... Stay tuned. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed this. And check back in with us next week because we have another rip-roaring conversation. And don't forget, if you've got questions you want answered, send those in to boghouse at thehanna.org. Yeah. Uh, We'll take text, we'll take wave, we'll take mp3. If you want to do Augvorbis, get on with your Linux bad self. (laughs) Um... I, I, I'll, I'll do whatever. And then check back in with us in a couple weeks when we answer those questions. You've still got time. Just keep them coming. I'm Melissa Dunphy. And I'm Matt Dunphy. And you've been listening to The Bog House. You can find out more about our show at boghouse.thehanna.org. The Bog House is recorded at the Hannah Callahill stage in Philadelphia. Our theme music is by Up Your Cherry. Subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rate and review if you like what you hear.